Well, who is ready to get away? Who has already planned their, their dream vacation destination? Maybe you've already booked it. You're like, this guy, man, you are ready to vacate like you have never vacated before. You're flip-flop dad guy. You, you don't care who's watching. You're ready to go, ready to escape the pressures, right? Or maybe your getaway is not a destination. Maybe your, your getaway is that mani-pedi that you can't wait to get or that massage, I mean, goodness knows, I, I would get a massage every week if I could. Or maybe, maybe your, your escape is losing yourself in that good book. We got any book nerds out there? Uh, I'm one of them, that's right. I hear you, book nerd. You lose yourself in that book, or, or, or maybe for you, it, it's, it's listening to that great band. Or maybe it's just getting out in the great outdoors and killing your food. That's your thing. That, that's how you escape. But the reality is, is that we all get exhausted. We all need a break. We all seek to get away from it all so that we can get refreshed a little bit. But, but the real question, I think, is what are we trying to get away from? What is it that we're trying to escape from? Now, I, I don't have time to do this, but my guess is that if, if I actually could sit down and talk with you and say, hey, what are you trying to escape from? From We could compare endless list of things, right? Life, man, it has a way. I mean, we, we have an endless list of things that we are trying to get away from. But I think if we could boil it all down, I think if we could sum it all up, if we sat there and we reflected for a minute on what it is we're trying to escape from, we could actually, we could actually uh, put it into one word, really. One, one idea, one thing that, that we're trying to escape from. And that's, that's simply pressure. It, it is that, that weight that comes down on us from life's circumstances and for just waking up each day. Life's pressure, it is filled with things, and, and over time, it is this weight, this pressure that bears down on us. It is the pressure of being the right kind of husband, the right kind of wife, or the right kind of son, or the right kind of daughter, or the right kind of student. It's pressure. It's the pressure maybe of not having accomplished as much as that other sibling, the golden child. Or maybe you don't have a sibling, and so it's that pressure of the coworker that seems to accomplish everything. Or maybe, maybe it's the pressure of actually having to provide for your family. Man, that's a lot of weight, isn't it? Especially like what we've just gone through with this pandemic. Maybe you've experienced uh, through this pandemic the loss of a job for the first time ever and you're trying to determine and figure out how in the world you're gonna provide for your family. And man, that is pressure. It's weighty. Or maybe it's the pressure of always being that family member that, that seems like you have to take care of all the other family members and your own family and those extended family members. You're that person. It's pressure. Or maybe, maybe it's the pressure of actually being that family member, maybe for the first time, and you're the one that's actually having to be taken care of. We all face this weight. We all face this pressure that we're trying to escape from. So we all look forward to whatever it is, all those things that we just listed, or if we didn't list your thing, there's something that you like to do to try and escape from that pressure. The problem with that is that the vacation ends. We finish the book, the song fades, but the pressure doesn't, does it? The pressure doesn't go away. In fact, the pressure never really seems to go away. 
And all those things that we mentioned, man, they may be good things, but what they really are, they're just a, a short, temporary relief, a little respite that, that we take, but they don't really bring us the rest that we need. They don't bring us that kind of rest that holds up under all those pressures. They don't, kind, they don't bring us the kind of rest that has lasting hope and lasting peace, do they? Because the pressure still remains, the pressure stays. But what if you could find that? What if you could find that kind of rest, the kind of rest that holds up under that pressure, the kind of rest that does bring you lasting hope and peace? What if you could find that? We, we just finished a, a sermon series where, where, we, where we learn and, and we, we sought uh, after how to lament, how to bring our laments before God, and that was a good thing, and there was this rhythm that we learned on, on how we're supposed to, to cry out to our God. And the good news today is God has also established rhythms in our life. He's established a way in our life where we can actually find that rest that we need. We can actually find that rest that holds up and pressure, that breaks through the pressure that we're all trying to escape from. So turn with me to Leviticus chapter 25, or turn on or look on the screen, but I know what you're thinking. That is perfect, Jonathan. When I think about how to, how to find that rest and escape that pressure, Leviticus is the first book I think about. A book filled with rules, all these rules and rituals that nobody understands, so you're just gonna read to us now and put us to sleep, and that's how we're gonna find rest, right? No, just hang with me, hang on. I think there's some good lessons, there's some good principles for us in this ancient text today. So starting with verse one, this is what it says. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai saying, and so uh, right away we find in, our, in, this, uh, in this passage that God is directly speaking to Moses on this, on this mountain. And, and, and he is, he is, he's gonna be giving him in, instructions and overall, we, they actually, a lot of people call this that Mosaic covenant. So verse two says, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Right away, God is instructing Moses to go and remind the people, tell the people that, hey guys, listen, this is the land that I gave you. That means, translation, this is my land that you're working. This is mine, and so there is gonna, I'm gonna declare a Sabbath to the Lord. Verse three, says, for six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. Now we're thinking, man, what is going on in, in, in normal circumstances? God has established work. He's saying, yes, sow the land, reap the harvest, do all these things, but now what you're gonna do is for an entire year, I'm creating a Sabbath for the land. I mean, what is going on? Why would we do that? And, and so really this, this biblical term, Sabbath, it, it just practically speaking, it means, it means to rest, to cease working, to stop earning your keep. And so if we, if we pulled back and zoomed out and looked at Leviticus and kind of, kind of looked at that big picture of things, we would find that all those rules, all those rituals, all those things that get repeated in there, that they, they are really established because of this covenant that gets established between God and the nation of Israel. And God uses Moses as his mouthpiece, but really what's happening is he has given instructions, all these th 
things are, are birthed out of this covenant relationship, and in this case called the Mosaic Covenant, that he has entered into with his people, with this nation of Israel. And so when we see these things, one of the conditions, one of the things he does is he establishes all these, he establishes all these Sabbaths, plural, not just one. Yes, in the Ten Commandments, we get that commandment. He commands rest. He says, you're going to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy unto the Lord. If we go back to Exodus 31, we find out, man, there are multiple Sabbath celebrations. There are multiple Sabbath holy days that God establishes through this covenant with his people. Why would he do that? Also, all those Sabbaths, all these things, he establishes for his people under his covenant, and he commands his people to rest. And if they don't, the consequences are severe. Now, why? Why would that be so important? Why would he command rest? Why would he establish all these Sabbath rituals, festivals, and holy days for his people? Well, let's keep reading, picking up in verse 8. Picking up in verse eight, and your text, your Bible may actually have a little subtitle here called the Year of Jubilee. You may have heard of this before. And again, God speaking to Moses says, you shall count seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the time of seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years. He's making Moses do math. His multiplication tables, right? For all you math people out there, not really. But yeah, we'll come back to seven. Verse nine, it says, then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the 10th day, there's that seven again, of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all your land. Now the day of atonement was this day, it was kind of the linchpin of this covenant that God had between him and the nation of Israel. One day a year, the, the designated high priest, they would go in and they would sacrifice, they would kill an animal. Blood would be shed as, as a symbolic gesture to cover the sins of the nation of Israel. And so if you were listening to all those sevens beyond just the math equation, maybe you were hearing echoes of something else. Maybe you were like, man, that sounds familiar to me. All that, that repetition of all those sevens, you'd be right if we flip back over to Genesis chapter two. It should remind you of that original creation story that we find where, where God has established his creative work He's come to the end of that, and we find in chapter two, starting with verse one, God says this, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, that means I'm finished, and everything living inside of everything I've created, I'm finished with that too. And on the seventh day, there's the seven, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now notice, uh, God established a Sabbath rest for himself. Not, not because he was tired and exhausted, forget this, creating the universe and everything in it. No, no, he wasn't tired and wore out and looking for a spa package to get away. No, he rested because he had completed his creative work, because it was finished. So he established the Sabbath rest for himself. And listen, guys, in this text, in this scenario, he was establishing all these Sabbath rests for his people and the land which represented his creation. He was doing all that so that as they observed this in covenant with him, they were pointing back to God's covenant and they were actually pointing back to God's original creation rest. And he knew that when Israel observed all these things, it was important because it was foreshadowing God's creative and redemptive work that remained the same then, just like it remains the same now 
out, and it was this. God intends to redeem and restore his creative work, and he is relentless in it. He intends to restore it all so that his creation can be under his rest, his shalom, which means to put things back in proper order. And you're thinking, man, that's great. You get that. So what's that got to do with God's people today? After all, if we flip back over to the New Testament and we read passages from Galatians 4 and Colossians 2, Hebrews 8, and from the words of Jesus himself all throughout the gospel, we discover that now we're living, God's people today, fast forward to us, under a new covenant, a new covenant that is for all people established by Jesus as well. We are not under this Mosaic covenant, so we don't have to celebrate this year Jubilee, but we are still under this brand new covenant. So I think there's still the breakthroughs that we can learn on how the same faithful God that we're under the new covenant with now was interacting with his people under this Mosaic covenant. I think we can look at that and find some breakthroughs that can help us find rest in our modern day pressures today. So breakthrough number one is this, guys. When we establish a Sabbath rhythm of rest, we realize that our very existence is a gift of grace. Stop and think about that for a minute, his creative work, guys. We are here because Jesus said so. You're, you're not a mistake. You're here because Jesus said so. He spoke us into existence. It's the gift of grace. God was establishing these Sabbath rests for his people, for his creation, his land, with the key idea being this, it is all his. It's all his creative work, us included. Sabbathing, if you'll let me make a verb out of it, Sabbathing reminds us that we're not the owners. In fact, our very life is not our own, it's a gift. We've been given a gift. And that is a good thing because, listen, guys, whoever owns it, whoever owns the things, whoever owns, whoever the creator is that has made all the creative things, us included, that's who actually ultimately shoulders the pressure. That's who's supposed to shoulder that weight. So that's a good thing. We actually exist because he graciously said so. So think about it. Think about it kind of this way. If you've ever made that shift from going from an employee to a business owner, you kind of know how the pressure shifts as well, don't you? Over 10 years ago when I moved to Asheville, I became a business owner. Really for the first time, I bought a franchise. It was great. When you become the owner, you shift from employee to an owner. There's a lot of pressure shifts that happen. In fact, you go through a lot of emotions. It's a, it can be a roller coaster. And the first emotion is great. I was all excited. I was like, sweet, this is awesome. I finally get to make all the decisions. Everything that happens, I'm responsible for. That's right, you've already guessed my second emotion. My second emotion was, oh no, I've made a huge mistake. Because all decisions rest on me, everything now is I am responsible for. And while the pressure grows exponentially when all that weight is on your shoulders, doesn't it? Now, you may have never owned a business. You may not be a business owner, but we all know what it's like to want to be the creator, to want to be that owner of something. In fact, my guess is that you have a favorite book that they have turned into a movie, don't you? You probably do. You've probably watched said show or said movie, and you've walked away doing what? Just like I would have done it. No, you do not walk away like that. You complain and you're like, I cannot believe they blah, 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 blah. 
right? And I'm including me, by the way, in you, because when I watched the, the Jack Reacher movie for the first time, I said, I cannot believe they cast Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher. What is going on, right? So we walk away saying, I would have never done that. Do you know why you would have never done that? Because you didn't create it. Because you don't get to decide. Because you're not the owner of the content, so all that you're left to do with is complain about it, aren't you? You're not the owner. You don't have that weight. You don't have the pressure of being the creator, right? God was saying to Israel, this land that you work on, that you're supposed to work on to produce good things for your survival, don't forget I own it. Don't forget that, that, that your needs are not provided ultimately by this land. They are provided by me. I own it, so I get to decide what to do with it. I, in fact, I get to decide to do what, I, what to do with all of my creative works, everything that I have created. And listen, guys, we may be the pinnacle of his creation, but we are not the point. And in case you missed it, let me say it again. We may be the pinnacle of his creation, but we are not the point. We are not the creators. And when we cease our work, when we take that, when we stop our work, then we celebrate the fact that we don't work to own, we work to honor the one who does. And that's what brings rest. God established rest for himself so that he could celebrate all of his creative work. And when we stop and rest and we start to Sabbath like the Israelites, like, like we do today, when we do that, when we cease our labor, we should be celebrating his presence in our life and the gift of life that he's given us. We should be remembering all his promises for our life. And we should be proclaiming glory to him in and through our life. And that, that is what brings us rest. Do you want to find rest in your life today? Then stop long enough. Pause long enough from your, your normal routine in life, your normal regular activity to celebrate his presence, to remember his promises, and to proclaim his glory. And as you do, that pressure will release and his rest will usher in. And that's what brings you rest. That's what gives you that relief. Let's keep reading in verse 10, picking up in verse 10. Leviticus 25, starting with verse 10, it says this. And you shall consecrate the 50th year, the 50th year was talking about the year of Jubilee, and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. Even if you weren't the Hebrew people, even if you weren't the, the Israelite nation, you were still gonna get the benefits of God's jubilee rest. It says, it shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. Now that's a big deal, we, we read that, but they were gonna have to move. Listen, they were gonna have to stop for a year. Does it sound familiar? when a pandemic breaks in and makes us stop our regular routine, they were gonna have to pick up everything and move back to their tribal ancestral lands, those original tribes that God established for his people. They were gonna have to pack up and move. Not only were they gonna have to pack up and move, they were also gonna have to stop their normal regular routine of work and life. It was a big deal. So, 
That 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines. For it is a jubilee, it shall be holy to you. You may eat the produce of the field, but in this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his property. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. And he repeats it, skip down to verse 17. You shall not wrong one another because he knew in a situation like this, there might be a good chance that people start taking advantage of one another. But here's what you shall do. You shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. And that's why I'm making you do this year-long rest. Can you imagine what that kind of disruption, interruption, what that kind of rest would have been like for this people, for this nation? The, the year of Jubilee, to me, starts sounding a lot like the year of Jubilat. Like that is a lot of work to find rest, right? They're having to do a lot of things. This was not, oh, and I'm gonna send you away to a paradise island for a year. No. In fact, as we just read, they were having to do this kind of rest, this Sabbath rest, every week, every seven weeks, every seven years, every 59 years, there would be an entire year. And during that year, you've got to pick up everything and move, go back to the, the lands of your forefathers. Guys, that was a major disruption in their life. And guess what? God intended it to be. Because God intends to interrupt your daily life and your schedule so that you don't drift toward dangerous things. Breakthrough number two is this. When we establish a Sabbath rhythm of rest, it creates an external disruption that brings inner clarity for you. Do you really wanna find rest or are you wondering why? Why in the world are things always so unrestful for you in this life? Why is there always so much pressure on you? Well, have you ever stopped long enough to allow God to interrupt your life? See, without disruption, we drift and we need something in life to on a continuous basis consistently to interrupt our regularly scheduled program of life as we go about our daily work, as we should go about our daily work, we need this consistent, constant interruption in our life. We need to pause, we need to stop so that we can deal with what's really going on inside of us so that we can have that clarity that we need. Because typically what we do is the exact opposite. When that pressure keeps, starts to mount and, and the weight really starts to bear down on us, what do we do? We do more things. We work harder. We try harder. We add more busyness to our schedule, thinking that if we'll just do more, then that pressure maybe will get a little bit less. And we know that never works out, right? We need that interruption. We need to stop and rest so that we can ask, ask questions like, what is really fueling my discontent in life, really? So that we can stop and ask what really matters most in life because we, when we take the time to stop and rest, now we have to deal with that. And, we, and, and, and in a lot of cases, we find out that what matters most is not the things that we were stressing about, is it? Think about the land that God had promised Israel. Guys, listen, the, this nation was a product of another covenant that God had made with Abraham. He had made a covenant with Abraham before this to say, I'm gonna bless you, turn you into a great nation so that you can bless others in my name. This is them, this is that nation, but they didn't feel like a blessed nation. For hundreds of years, they had been turned into slaves and made captive by another foreign power. 
Now, finally, after all these years, they had been set free of their captors. They had been set free of captivity. They had been promised a land by God through Moses to say, now I'm taking you to a land flown with milk and honey. And can you imagine the weight being lifted off of them? Because they thought they were going to a land that was gonna be this paradise where all the pressures of life would not even be there. God never promised them that. In fact, he promised them, yes, to take them to this land, but he didn't promise to cloister them away from society, from the brokenness, and from all the pressures of life. The exact opposite, when they got there, they were gonna be all up in the world, still with all those pressures, pressures, still with all those things. In fact, it was when they disobeyed God that he decided to cloister them away and make them wander in a desert for years without his blessing of rest on them. See, a Sabbath rest doesn't promise to remove all the tensions, all the turmoil, all the heartaches of a broken world. It comes in the middle of the hostile presence and it reminds us, oh yeah, this is how I find my peace. This is how I get my rest. And it prompts us to help reveal God's rest to a hurting world. And all these Sabbaths that the nation of Israel were intended to keep, it was to remind Israel that they were part of God's instrument of salvation to the world. It's who they were. And in the same way, a life that gets interrupted with God's rest today, it helps us remember what's really important, what really matters in life, what our purpose really is. So as we today establish these Sabbath rhythms under a brand new covenant, as we start to establish all of these rest rhythms in our life, we have to understand, guys, that we're not doing this so that we can escape and get away to some paradise. No, we are doing this so we can hold up under the pressure of life so that we can ask questions like this. What is it that I really want in life and does it align with the covenant I've made with God? Because no, we're not under the Mosaic covenant anymore, but make no mistake, we are still under a covenant with God. It's a new one. So is the things you want in life, are they actually aligning with God and his covenant that you've made? That's what brings you rest. We can ask questions like, what do I really need and am I actually trusting God to provide it? Because as we've learned, he is the one. It's his creative works. He's the ultimate provider for me. And we can ask questions like, is there something in my life now that I know I need to surrender that's causing me unrest? How's your ego doing? Do you stop and get interrupted to, to allow, okay, what is your ego causing you to do? Are you, is it causing you to leverage one another, to wrong one another, thinking that you can gain something to alleviate that pressures of the world? Are you being leveraged by others? Are there false idols? Are, are, you, worse, are you bowing down before other false idols in this world rather than trusting in the one true God? What about control? That's a big one for us, isn't it? How many times do we have to be taught that we're not in it? We're not in control. How many times do we have to be taught that, oh, you think your hard work, you think you're plowing the land, you think all of your efforts is gonna bring you rest? No. You're never in control. You're never the one who created all of this. You just find yourself in it. So breakthrough number three is this. When we establish that Sabbath rhythm of rest, it reminds us that true rest is found in the person we can trust to keep us safe. That's where we're gonna find the rest that we need. Now, 
You, you can think about it this way. I've used this illustration before, but I don't preach enough for you to remember my illustration, so I'm gonna use it again. It's a good one, it fits. So uh, when we get a family, a lot of times we make house rules. Uh, kids, you know these, parents, you have these. And uh, yeah, it, it's good sometimes to establish some of our house rules. One of them, and a lot of times they get established by my wife or moms. And so we established, hey, no throwing balls or kicking balls in the house because that's how you break stuff. It's a good rule and I'll promptly break it. Right, with my kids, when my kids were younger, it was Christmas time, I was throwing the football around with my oldest daughter, Taylor, we're chunking it back and forth, and my wife walked in, and I kid you, she said, hey, you guys need to stop throwing that ball around, something's gonna break. And I was like, you worry too much, woman. You know, I'm throwing the ball back and forth, and two minutes later, Taylor, she's looking right at me, she's getting ready to throw a humdinger, and she zips it that away. Right into the manger scene, and she shatters the baby Jesus, right? So the first lesson learned is mom was right, but the second lesson learned, kids, you know this, you know this, you're safe, aren't you? Why are you safe from mom's wrath? Because dad did it. Because, listen, not only did I say you could do it, dad was participating. I'm the one who caused the whole thing. Ultimately, it was my fault, so I have to shoulder all the wrath, all the pressure, and wow, what a relief when you're the kid, right? You're like, thank God, dad was in this. Fast forward to the new covenant that we operate under now as followers of Jesus. In Mark chapter two, we, we find the scene where the disciples are walking with Jesus and they get hungry, as humans do. They get hungry, so they started breaking off kernels, grains, the heads of grains, and they started eating and eating them. The problem was they were doing this on the Sabbath. Uh-oh, the Sabbath, the holy day that God himself had established. And the Pharisees jumped on it and they started accusing Jesus saying, how in the world can you do this unlawful thing on the Sabbath? And Jesus responded, he said, listen, guys, if you think this is bad, I'm about to heal somebody on the Sabbath. He didn't say that, I woulda, but he didn't. He did heal somebody on the Sabbath, but what he said was this, the Sabbath was created for man and I am Lord of the Sabbath. I am Lord of the Sabbath. His disciples, why could his disciples be safe and, and, and be comfortable eating food on the Sabbath? Because Jesus said they could. Because he's with them. Because he is Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus was saying to them, God was saying to the people of Israel, he is saying to us today, listen, as long as you're with me, you're safe. There's a new covenant that I have established and my redemptive work has been made complete and as long as you trust in me, you are safe. He is saying, I am the Lord your God and you are my people. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. You don't get to tell me what to do. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath and I am where you find your rest. Not in holy days. And when you leave, guys, when you leave this corporate Sabbath celebration of rest today that you've come to. Guess what? The pressures aren't gonna go away. The, the pressures are not going to change when you leave this place today. But do you know what can change? Who you follow can change. That can change. Do you know what can change? Who you decide to walk with and who you decide to run your decisions by first. That can change. And listen, guys, how often you pause, how often you cease your labor, how often you stop 
you allow God to interrupt your regular routine of life, how often you do that to pause and acknowledge that he is your God and you are his person, that can change. Now, I I don't know, I'm not here today to tell you how many times we're supposed to have Sabbath rest, how often we're supposed to do that under the new covenant that Christ has established. I don't know how often we're supposed to do that, but here's what I do know, we probably can't do it enough. We probably can't allow God to interrupt our life enough to to, to force us to stop and celebrate Him, His presence, and His goodness in our life. We probably can't do it enough, but my challenge for you today, my challenge for us today is that we would interrupt our life, you would interrupt your life on a daily basis, on a weekly basis with Sabbath rest, not to escape from life's pressure, but to prepare for them. To remind you when we do that, when we stop and cease our efforts, we're reminded of who we are and why we are and how one day God is gonna make everything right again and bring his ultimate rest. Are you tired today? Are you so tired of having that inner constant churn of turmoil in your life because of life's pressures weighting you down that come out in anxiety and pride and rage? Come to him. Find rest in him, find safety in him today. But unbeliever, if you're in this place today, if you're watching online, and you want to find rest right now, believe in Him. Trust in Him. If you've already made that, if you've already entered into that covenant relationship with Christ, that brand new covenant, if you've already done that, then establish, I would challenge you to establish a regular rhythm of rest in Him. Allow his rest to interrupt your life so that you can trust the fact that he intends to redeem you. You can trust the fact that he is redeeming you and you can believe in the fact that he intends to redeem all of his creative work. All of it. And trust that he is relentless in that pursuit and find rest in him. Would you pray with me? God, you know, I'll be the first to admit, um, usually when the pressures get too much, I don't find my rest in you. I don't run to you. I don't remember that it's all yours. God, I pray you would uh, pray we would run to you that we'd all be reminded today that we know those pressures aren't going to go away not yet but we can still find rest in you so God thanks for bringing us rest may we accept it. We pray all this in your name.